to the Mission LHC podcast, where you'll hear real conversations with a married couple that are on a mission to help other couples as they learn to love, honor, and cherish each other in all stages of marriage. My name is Heath Yearwood. And I'm Amanda Yearwood. And thanks for joining us as we laugh together and share our story together in hopes that we can be an encouragement to you. Well, welcome back to the Mission LHC podcast. Thanks for coming back to hear us again. Um, Today, as we're recording this, it's actually Father's Day, so I I think we'd probably like to talk a little bit about our dads and and some of the influence that they've had over us over the years. Yeah, I want to wish everyone out there a happy Father's Day. I know uh, it's a special day, and if you still have your dads around, uh, you may hear this on Father's Day, or it may be shortly after but don't take it for granted because uh, it is a true blessing. You know, uh, right now in our society that we see there's all types of statistics that homes that have a father in them, the, you know, the problems that come out of the family and stuff are so much less. And, you know, unfortunately right now we're seeing that the father is absent in a lot of homes. In our schools, we see this a whole lot more. A lot of grandparents are raising kids and stuff. And so, you know, that's the challenge that we hope that through this today that we can encourage you as uh, young parents. And, you know, if you don't have a father figure, we encourage, uh, you know, you that you can still do it without that. But you've got a heavenly father that's the greatest example for you. But also, uh, people that have children, we are examples to other kids as well. People that don't have a, a father figure, you know. So whether you're a boss or whether you're a coach or whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, we we really are blessed to be in the roles that we're in at school. You know, I was thinking about just the numbers of it, the sheer numbers of it. Of course, you're a dad to our kids, but really, in a way, you're a father figure to a lot of kids. And when we think about how many kids we have in and out of our school building every day, I mean, roughly, when you look at the numbers, you've basically been a father figure for about 5,000 kids in the last 30 years. So that's that's a lot. Well, and that's, you know, and, and I guess the thing behind that, that, that the bad thing is that, you know, sometimes some of you have good fathers and some of you have bad fathers. And sometimes I've not been the person I need to be. And sometimes I've been that person. So I think that's a responsibility that when we go into jobs like a teaching field or or coaching or whatever it may be, you, you don't realize the impact that you could possibly have on kids and, uh, you know, right now, looking, I, I go to a large church, and we have several of my former players there. And, you know, one of the greatest things that I have as a coach, uh, looking back and watching my former players be the daddies that they are, watching them, you know, I can I can look back, and there's several, I hate to call names because I don't want to leave any out, but just watching them in their roles, you know, this week, uh, watching one of them, uh, Coach Thompson, he was working with the youth this week. We had a missions uh, thing there and just seeing him and the job he's doing as a principal and former coach. And Adam Creel also serves in our church and he works with the young kids. And I watched him the other day being patient with the little kids and getting them lined up and doing stuff. Zach Olaker, there's so many more that go to church. And like I said, I'm not trying to call out just a few. But that's just the ones I've seen in the last couple of weeks that's serving. You know, I've seen you 
basically swell up with pride just like a dad when we encounter former students like we might be at Walmart or wherever and and they want to show us their children and it, it's just so neat to see them all grown up with kids of their own but but just knowing that they are proud of their kids and they want to show you look coach look look what I have now well you know when you're going through the moments you you look at coaching and stuff as you're thinking about the game and you're thinking about that in the long plan of that the game really doesn't matter a whole lot I don't really remember the B team championships or the varsity championships <laughs> that, that we might have won as much as I look at the men and you know I was tough on kids a lot of times and I demanded the them they dress a certain way act a certain way carry themselves on the court a certain way but it was all a lot of the characteristics I look back on that my own dad had taught me and some of the coaches that I had that taught me you know, um, that's one of the things I want to do future podcasts on some of those role models in my life that I've had from, you know, Claiborne Campbell to Billy Coleman, Mickey Campbell, different ones that have poured into me through athletics. You know, it's just kind of crazy that um, how we look at our coaches, we look at people like that, that we didn't want to let them down. You know, and, and again, though, I was blessed. It's not the role of the coaches to be our fathers. They are to be supplements to it. We, we can't ask someone else to raise our children. That's what a dad is supposed to do. But it sure supports you when, you know, you remember this a lot of times, Amanda. I could tell, my, you know, I coached ball and I could tell my kids something to do. But if one of their coaches told them, it was like it was... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's the gospel if coach says it, yes. Yeah, and you know, that was the same way even if I said something sometime. And I got a couple of players that <clears throat> unfortunately didn't have dads growing up or dads that didn't, wasn't the example that they wanted. And they give me stuff that I said sometimes there like it was quoted the gospel according to Heath. Now... <laughs> Then I've also been all discouraged sometimes and really let down because I've heard some of those same guys when I said things sometimes and said words sometimes or did something that I didn't really remember doing a whole lot, but it stood out to the young, impressionable mind. And so, uh, you know, one step forward, two steps back. And that's why I encourage you. You know, we can't be part-time dad and then setting the bad example the next minute because that just sets the students back so we need to be that positive role model yeah that makes me think of a conversation I had with our personal kids not too long ago and they were retelling I don't even remember what the story was but they were retelling some event that had happened and how they remembered and what I had said and and I remember looking at them and I said of all the things I've ever said to you that's what you remember that's what you heard so you know it's really amazing that we don't know exactly what parts our kids are going to pick up and you know for us that's not just our personal kids that's our our kids at school yeah, and you know, now I've been in education so long, I'll be going into my 31st year. Uh, I'm not the father figure no longer. I'm the grandfather <laughs> figure. And uh, 
That's why it's it's about time for me to get out of <laughs> that. Me and pop all year wood. Yes, yeah. and I, you know I used to feel like that uh, the dad, but now it's the grandpa figure. And um, <laughs> you are a lot like Papa Forrest, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that kind of how we transition a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about my background. Uh, my dad was a, uh, and he is. He's still alive. He's he's a great man. Uh, I've been really blessed over the years. I was the only child, and, uh, you know, I, I... Well, now, time out. You were an only child, technically, but you did have a brother. Do you remember your brother? Now, they're, they're, they're making fun of me because <laughs> being an only child, and my dad worked very hard, and he worked, you know, a lot of hours. Uh, so, I stayed at home all the time with my mom, and my mom would stay in and watch her soap operas and different things during the day, and so... Uh, I guess that's why I watch a Hallmark film every once in a while. It's kind of like a soap opera. Uh, but that's from being around my mom all the time. But I did play out in the yard a lot of times. And, you know, I guess if you play by yourself a lot, it kind of changes things. So when I was a little small kid, I had an imaginary friend. And um, they kid me about that. They found out about that one time. And my nephews and them even created a uh, Facebook page like it was him. <laughs> They took pictures of him, like playing cards. We would play cards or rook or something, and it'd be a blank spot. Now the... we're just gonna say though, having an imaginary friend—that's really a sign of intelligence, right? That's and exactly. That's what the uh, the books say about it and everything. So that that was really the only reason I was doing that. <laughs> but I was the only child, and so my mom and dad did pour into me a whole lot over the years. And again, as I talked about it, I had a love for sports from, I guess, when I was born. And my dad had a big part of that. You know, a lot of times we take on the characteristics of our parents. And I think, you know, if you come from a musically talented family, sometimes it's just kind of expected that you're going to play an instrument, you're going to sing, you're going to do things. Well, in our family, sports has been very big. My dad had a large family. He had, uh, there was eight children in his family. And they were some great athletes. So I had uncles that were always playing with me, and they would come over, and they were helping me and doing stuff. So athletics has been very important. But my dad, you know, he grew up with eight children, and they were poor sharecroppers and, and didn't have a whole lot. I mean, they're, my, my grandpa Forrest, Papa Forrest as we call him, he worked like a dog. They were sharecroppers. He They worked the fields all the time. And then later on, he worked at uh, Miracle and different plants and stuff. But they he that was the role that he had with them. He was a hard worker. He, he took care of them, provided for the family. But they all worked like a dog as well, all the all kids. All of them, the men and the women. So there's four brothers and four sisters and... So and they're all still alive. So I've had the pleasure of getting to know them in this last twenty six years. So all very hardworking men and women. And and they instilled that with them. And you know, a lot of times just to get by, the money that the older children made, my aunt Mary and my dad, she was the oldest daughter and he was the oldest son. In order for the young ones to have anything, a lot of times they would put their money in with the family. And they all just took care of everybody. And so he had to grow up from an early age. She did too, as well, and so did the siblings. So dad, he, you know, talked about having to work all day and then run if he wanted to play at a ball game or do something, didn't have a car. He would he would 
do things, have to run, walk certain places, and that kind of stuff. So with what he didn't have growing up, he did everything he could possibly do to make my life better so I would have those things. You know, he worked hard. Uh, he wouldn't come in. He would get up early before the sun would come up and be at his job. He worked for many years in Decatur at General Electric. And time he got home in the afternoon, you know, he had to be at work maybe by around 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning. And he would get home 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon. And I don't know how many days, about every day, I would be waiting out in the driveway with my ball and bat or a football if it was football season or a basketball if it was basketball season. And it was just kind of the understood thing. My dad was going to play ball with me. And uh, so he would do that every day, you know, and I look back sometimes I was so busy with other people's children that I didn't have that always. Now, I was blessed that my kids got to go and play in the gym, but he spent more time one-on-one -on -one with me than I did with my children. My wife, you know, had to be that person a lot of times growing up. You know, up. that was a hard part of our marriage. You know, that was really in those years where we talk about the honor part. I mean, we were honoring that commitment to each other. But those were some really tough years. And I'll just say there were some times that um, I was emotional about it when you were putting in so many hours coaching and um, you were investing some days what felt like it felt like you were investing more in other people's children than you were our children now fortunately um we had some good role models on that on those coaching roles and you had mentioned some of those people before but they really helped us learn how to navigate that as a family and and some of those those men that you'd mentioned earlier their wives were just really critical in helping me learn how to be a coach's wife and how to serve as a coach's wife. You know, I think that's something that's left out today. And that's one reason I like this podcast and, and feel like young couples to listen to this a whole lot. What kind of aggravates me a little bit if I see a young couple that's married and the, the guy's kind of torn that way. You know, it wasn't a secret. I was already coaching, and you knew my commitment to it, as we've shared in other podcasts about... That two-day honeymoon. Two-day honeymoon. I should have known, right? You should have known <laughs> at that point. But a lot of times, uh, the commitment, it hurts the commitment of a coach or whatever when he feels torn. You know, at home, it's this way. I'm, I'm thankful that you found a way to make that part of your life as well and sharing that with me. And I encourage you, that's something if you're dating someone, no matter what's going on, they may be an engineer, they may be a, a machinist or whatever, know what you're getting into, understand the expectations and things are there. But then also I look back a little bit, I, I, there's things I could have done different as well. And you know, you can't, you can't be a father to all your players and not be a father at home and I don't. I think I did a good job of still being a dad and doing things, but there's a whole lot of memories that I, I missed out as well because you did a lot of the raising them at home. And every day where my dad played with me for hours, I wouldn't get in till 10 o'clock at night sometimes because of ball games. So you remember being the, as I said, I played with, my dad played with me. You remember Blake running around and you having a... <laughs> 
call out starting lineups. Yes, one of his favorite things. He had that little, I don't even know what to call it, but let's just say it was a toy version of a karaoke machine. And I would have to announce him running into the living room, just like he was back then, you know, the Chicago Bulls. They were so great, you know, Michael Jordan. And uh, so I would have to act like the announcer for him but you know recently Let's get ready to rumble yes well that's is that wrestling yeah, it's that? actually boxing but oh it, but he would play play all the music it was almost like space jam music yes well it's we amazing our kids aren't more confused because you can see how little i know but so recently we were watching some home videos and uh you know, we really were not qualified to be parents. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, if y'all watch the home videos, you would want us not to be giving advice on uh, fatherhood here. But um, we we look back at some of the stuff, and we remember leaving the hospital, and I think we shared this already, that we were mad that they didn't even give us a manual hardly to Oh, me. I remember being furious. I, I mean, literally, I was furious with how irresponsible those nurses were to let us go with a baby because we did not know what we were doing. Well, we were watching a video today of Blake's six-month birthday. <laughs> we, we had a cake for him. Well, you know, most babies are not eating any regular food hardly at six months. They're just a little bit of regular stuff, but we've got him eating a piece of cake. Well, he's almost sick from a sugar high as he's eating all the icing, and we just keep saying, eat more, eat more. Yeah, and, and so as an adult now at our age, looking back at it, we're like, somebody do something to those parents. And then I looked, and one of them, they were dancing on the bed playing. Yes. And all I can keep thinking is, he's too, he's a foot away from the falling off the bed backwards, going to hit his head on that. <laughs> but we're just laughing and cutting up, and we're videoing it. Yes, and so, great. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we look at those things. Ignorance that, is bliss. I guess it yeah. is. So, learn a lesson from that. Do as we say, not as we do, okay? <laughs> but, um, you know, going back again, th those are some of the challenges in our life as, as being coach and different things. But, you know, I think that my dad kind of helped instill a lot of the characteristics that a lot of you see in me around, whether it's gathering, picking up garbage around campus or doing different things. You know, my dad kind of raised me, don't... Don't ask anybody to do anything that you're not willing to do. And he was that example. But he learned that example from his dad, you know. And one thing about it, as great of a man as I remember my Papa Forrest being, he wasn't always that man for his family. He was a hard worker. Um, he provided for the family and everything. But my dad talks about growing up. He doesn't really remember a whole lot of times that his dad ever telling him that he loved him. And he said they knew that his dad loved them, but it was just kind of understood. It was not said. And Daddy said it was something about it to hear it from somebody. And so my dad, that was one thing, you know, he, even though he was raised to be a man's man, he didn't care to tell me how much he loved me. He would hug me. You know, he was very affectionate with things like that. He really, uh, did a great job of teaching me that and my mom as well but my dad I can still think back to being a kid and when storms and stuff were coming mom didn't want me to actually come in there in their bed a whole lot she'd kind of keep me you know staying in your room you don't need to be sleeping in here all the time or whatever as a little kid but I remember there was nothing better then when the storm was happening, I would slip in and I would go on my dad's side of the bed and he would hold out his arm. He'd scoot over a little bit 
And I remember laying on the side of the bed on my dad's side. Mom knew it, but she'd act like she didn't. But I remember laying on my dad's arm, and that was a safe place to be. And, uh, you know, I think back at that, I'm 51 years old, but I can remember that like it was yesterday, and I probably was, you know, four or five years old. There's nothing better than dad's arms. That's a great place to be. Yeah. Um, So back to my dad a little bit. With him growing up, not really hearing a whole lot, not having a whole lot, he worked hard to make sure, you know, that I had the basketball if I wanted it or or go to do lessons or do something or whatever. You know, they worked hard that I had toys or had different things and, you know, I was spoiled. And I think that really bothered my dad a whole lot because he knew what kind of man and what kind of work ethic he had because my papa had instilled that in him. And I think I remember him worried about that with me, you know, him griping because I thought dad was a tyrant at the time when he would coach me. You know, it had to be a certain way. You couldn't do it halfway. You you better give it 100% effort. You know, I was put in a five foot seven body and dad never made no excuses like, you know, if I'm too little or I can't do this, that that didn't fly. You know, you, you controlled your effort. But I remember when he would want me to mow, if I halfway mowed it and left the corners and didn't weed eat after mowing or anything, things like that would drive my dad crazy if you didn't do it right. And uh, I thought at the time it was crazy, but now I'm that way and I was that way with my children. It's the little things that matter. And and I'm glad that, you know, that he instilled that in me. And Amanda, you probably have seen. I think, I think I see the older you get, the more you're like him and um, just watching you instill those same things and not only our children, but um, how you impress that on our children at school. But, you know, I think it's just human nature that as parents, we want more for our children than we had. And, And I believe your dad, he worked so hard because he wanted you to be able to have the things that he didn't have and and we're all like that then the worry comes from you know what is going to be the expectation for that next generation so while you want to make the world a better place the life a lot easier for your children you also want them to stay grounded and firm in in their beliefs and their attitudes and you know, their perspective on life and that that vision of hard work. You know, we take things for granted. Like, I just kind of grew up in a world, most of my friends had a dad. You know, when I grew up, I was blessed that that people was present. And I just kind of thought everybody had the same life, you know, with me having my dad playing ball with me in the afternoons all the time and everything. And one moment we were doing children's church with another couple one time. And this guy told me that he would, there was a store across the road from our house, and he was a small child. He was a little bit older than me, but he would watch from afar a lot when my dad would play ball with me in the afternoons. And he didn't have that relationship. He didn't have that dad doing that. He talked about that that stood out, that he always kind of longed for that. And, you know, it made me kind of feel bad that I never did know that. My dad would have played with him, too, if we'd have really known. But if we, we take for granted that everybody has that. So I think we've got to do a better job of looking around and being there for people sometimes as well, you know. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that even if you didn't grow up with a 
a dad like your dad, that doesn't mean you can't be that kind of dad or mom. We we can learn and we can we can do better for the next generation. Oh, I saw on social media today that somebody was posting a Father's Day stuff and basically they were bitter still that their dad left them, you know, during their teenage years, left the mom and left them and what was an absent father and never around. But their whole post was they didn't want to be that for their child and they've made it their lesson. I had one of my players that didn't really have a dad in their life very well and did have a father that was alive but just not much of a dad and now they've got about four children and they are you know try everything in the world to be there for their kids and you know that that's something I'm proud of because you know you can break the cycles uh, that's going on and but the best way you can do that is to realize that Jesus is the greatest example of being our, our heavenly father. And then he also had a great father as well, you know, with God. And how much sacrifice did God make by allowing his son to come here on earth for us? You know, and how many of us would be willing to sacrifice our children? And, you know, you think about that, that goes on. But, you know, I am thankful, again, that... My dad, what he did, and also one thing that my dad did that I look back is he and my mom had a great marriage. Now, they had, just like everybody, they had good times and bad times, hard times financially. Um, they went through problems. Uh, mom had a lot of health problems and things that was going on that really stressed them out. But one thing, the commitment he had, the love that they had for each other. I remember being a kid when they would be fighting or something and worried that they were going to get divorced or something. I remember my mom and them telling me that that wasn't going to happen, that they loved each other. They might be into it about something or whatever, but just knowing commitment, and I think that's been big because that's like I shared in the one of the previous episodes about not missing practice in sports because that's the way it was. My dad didn't miss work. You know, he got vacation days, but he just didn't lay out of work. He... It was there for my mom you know we we believe in certain things but I think those are the things that we instill and I've tried to instill in our kids you know with through their athletics or jobs or whatever it is you know right and you know that's really all of that commitment is reflected in your your marriage too and we've talked about before that honoring phase of of marriage and you know I think that's when a lot of people give it up and it's not easy. It's hard. There are days that I like you, but <laughs> or I love you, but I may not like hey. you. Yes, but you know it, it gets tough, and um, we we have been very blessed to have good role models there. But again, that if you don't have a good role model, that doesn't mean that you can't move on and be that good father yourself. In the best places you find that example is as what Christ tells us that how we're supposed to love our wives, you know, how we're supposed to serve them. And, and then the examples in the Bible of the fathers that's being the guys, the leaders, you know, if we take the Christian virtues and those values, we're going to be able to be a good dad, be a good husband or whatever it may be. But, you know, Dad carried us to church every Sunday. I remember us going as a family and then watching him and Mom be affectionate with each other, uh, you know, teaching me how to love, but also, you know, even like in... <laughs> they were very affectionate. Look, I got a time out here. Like, your parents are 
almost polar opposite of my parents when it comes to affection. Like, I mean, I know my parents love each other and everything, but they didn't really show that much. They were not mushy with each other. And so I'll never forget the first time I met your mom and dad. And, uh, you know, I remember I'm this very shy, you know, kind of guarded person. And the first time I met them, they both hugged me and kissed me. <laughs> and I was like, who are these people? And, and see, for me, yeah. that's no big deal. But for you, it was like a, a complete stranger and, and knowing now. Yeah. Because, like, it's we have different love languages, and that's yeah. one of the things that I'm an affectionate person by that, you know, and it's because of how I was raised. But even my dad, like I said, being a man's man, be tough, you don't let him see, don't you cry, don't do this. He didn't care to tell me he loved me every time, like, we could talk on the phone or something. You know, he was going to let me know that he loved me. You know, maybe they were the key to the successful football season that year, you know. Their thing was always to kiss when West Point had a touchdown or when Alabama football, there was a touchdown. That was always their thing. They had to kiss. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, you know, and the crazy thing about it, a lot of those things we've carried on with, like, uh, you know, different things. If it's a prayer, we may hold a hand with each other or different things. It's kind of crazy how we become our parents a lot of times, and I think even our children take some of those things on as well. Blake has a lot of the same characteristics and stuff. And, you know, I think we're, you know, we try to pass things down, and that's how traditions and things go along. But, you know, that brings up a little bit, as great of a dad as my dad was, and I know we're talking about my dad in this episode because I just want him to know how much he, he means to me, but... He's also probably been a better better, uh, grandfather than he even was a dad, and he was a great dad. So Amanda, like, (laughs) our dad was, my dad was very helpful to us. Oh, man. I mean, really, I don't know what we would have done without James and Kay. I mean, when the kids were little, they were always there for, I mean, we were both working, and so they would take them places. Like, I don't, I honestly... I could count on one hand how many orthodontist appointments that I took our kids to because your dad always was there and was able to take them to the orthodontist because, you know, those are in the middle of the day. You can't get those after school. So uh, he was just always huge in their life. And Now, <laughs> James got his name, Papaw. You want to tell the story how we get the name Papaw? Yeah. Well, he was going to be called Granddad. So the whole thing was he was going to be Granddad coming through. Well, all of a sudden, my mama would talk to him and say, James, get this, or James, do this. So Blake, being the smart person he was, he picked up very quick. And Blake was talking from a very, very early age. And so he would... James? James? So he called him James all the time. So to keep respect going... We had to change that to Papaw James because uh, my my dad's dad was called Papaw to us. So we, we said Papaw James. So then he started calling him Papaw James. And so that was... And eventually it morphed into Papaw. So yeah. that, that was better than just James. Than James. So uh, that's that was there. But he relished that role. And I can understand it now at the age... You know, I remember at the beach, we got to go to the beach and have a regular time, but 
Dad and them did everything. He would take him back and take him and Bailey back and forth to the pool, to the mm. thing, whatever they wanted to do, Dad was willing to do, and Mom as well. But Mom ended up passing away and kind of unexpectedly, and, you know, life's been tough on Dad since then because he and Mom had such a great relationship, and I tell him if it, if it wasn't special, you wouldn't miss her like that. So, yeah. you know, I look forward to the day that they are together, but Dad had a surgery last um, I guess maybe last year or the year before, unexpectedly he had knee surgery and uh, he ended up crashing and was out for a while. And that yeah, was. They did like two rounds of CPR, CPR on him. Yeah. And I'm sitting there not knowing anything for about an hour and 15 minutes it was during COVID where you couldn't have people really in the hospital, anyone else. And that was a tough moment. And I'm glad that dad's still with us. And, you know, because you don't don't let anything pass. Let them know how much you love them. And when that time does come for me to go away or dad to go away or whoever, just make sure that you tell the ones around them that you love them. And that's one reason I'm doing this episode. You know, if you've got a, a father that's out there, make sure you tell them. See them. Let them know. Don't take anything for granted. And, you know, uh, I'm just so thankful for him. And, and, and I hope that this makes you think... You know, in John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting uh, life. And, you know, he. I'm glad that we have a, a Heavenly Father that ended up sending his Son for us, that he loved me uh, that much. Even though he loved his own child, he loved me like a child. And so I'm thankful for that. So I hope that... Uh, you know, that I can end up being that dad that he has been or possibly even one day that papa to, <laughs> to uh, if I have or am blessed with grandkids, that I can be that person because I do think it's a cycle that we pass down, we continue it on because I've been blessed in my own family to have great-grandfathers and then have a great dad. And so I'm the blessed one in that. So That's good stuff. So... If you still have your dad out there, make sure you tell him you love him. Give him a hug. And if you are a dad, aspire to be like our Heavenly Father. And if you're not a dad yet, get ready. It's the best thing you'll ever do. All right. Well, that's going to be a close. We appreciate it. And we'll see you again on another episode.